Father, that is our prayer this morning, Lord. We just want to be near you. We thank you for the promise of your scriptures that as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. That applies to every one of us. And we just know that in your presence there is peace. And in times that seem to just lack that, Lord, we just want to draw near to you. There's a sweetness. There's a sweetness with just being near you in your presence. We come to worship you this morning. We come to glorify your name, King Jesus. We thank you. We thank you for we recognize how blessed we are. You've blessed us in this life, but Lord, the greatest blessing that you ever gave us is yourself. And we just want to come to declare to you this morning, we love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're glad you're here this morning. Today, uh, in the life of Jewish people, it's a big day. Um, this is the last day of Hanukkah. And you say, oh, we do that here? Not, not really, but I want to explain to you <laughs> kind of what, what goes on with this, with this uh, holiday. Uh, it's, there's a lot that you could draw from this, and, and we'll draw some. We'll just draw a few principles from this. But, uh, uh, so let me just first start with the background uh, about this this celebration this happens in between the old testament and the new testament the where this began it's, it happens in between the old and the new and uh you say so so this is not really in our bible well it is in the bible one spot it's in john chapter 10 and uh, you can turn there in john chapter 10 uh and verse 22 and here's here's the reason that that we're even looking at it this morning uh, and that is because if Jesus attended it, he gave honor to it. And so we, we know that there must be something that we can draw from this. And so in John chapter 10, verse 22, that was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And so you say, well, I don't say anything about Hanukkah. No, I don't. Uh, but this, this celebration has numerous names. Uh, the feast of dedication and also the... Uh, 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 the Festival of Lights. Depending on what translation you're looking at, it might say Festival of Lights. Now, the story behind this event is, uh, it comes out of war. The Assyrians and the Egyptians were constantly at war with each other. You may remember in the history of the Ptolemies, and that is the Egyptians and the Assyrians, and they're constantly fighting. The problem with this is that Israel sits between the two. And so as this one comes down to wage war against Egypt, as the Syrians come down and wage war against Egypt, they're passing through Israel, and, and vice versa, it goes back and forth. Now, there was a ruler over the Assyrians, and his name was Antiochus Epiphanes. And so even his name kind of tells you who he thinks he is. Uh, as you have an epiphany, you'd say, well, that's a God moment. Well, that's what he thought. He thought he was a God moment. He was a, he was a lunatic who thought he was a God. And in his warring against the Egyptians, he goes down to fight them and gets his backside handed to him. And I'm trying to keep it clean. So he... He gets a whooping and comes back through Israel. And if y'all have raised horses, if y'all have done much with animals, you know that when you have an alpha that whoops up on the beta, 
What's the first thing that beta's going to do? Find something weaker than him and he's going to whoop snot out of him. So this is what goes on. This is Assyrians come down to the Egyptians and they take a whooping. And as they come back to Assyria, they stop by Israel and say, you're going to take a whooping. And so they whoop the Israelites, bring them under submission. But the worst thing that they did was, was just mess with their temple. They go into their temple which was only meant for the priests to go into and they sacrificed pigs on the altar y'all and they made a pig soup and with the broth of boiled pigs they poured it all over the temple all over the scrolls all over the articles of the temple desecrating everything and now it's not fit for worship of the one true god then worse than that they put a statue of zeus inside the holy place of the temple and start worshiping this pagan god set up other pagan gods throughout the temple and so it's just this this thumb in the eye of god pagan worship going on and then they said you cannot worship your god you will worship these gods and so this this religious uh freedom spiritual freedom is now taken away stripped from them but not only that but forced them to worship these pagan deities in that process, as this is going on through time, there was one man who said, I don't like this. This man's name was Mattathias, and Mattathias one day saw a, a Jewish priest offering a sacrifice to a pagan god. And he rose up and he killed that man. Then he fled to the hills with his five sons, and over a course of the amount of time, those, uh, that man, Mattathias, died there in the wilderness. But those sons... They've been raised a certain way. And he had a son named Judas Maccabee, otherwise known as the hammer. As you're thinking about an attorney on TV, the hammer. But this is, this is Judas Maccabee. And Judas began with guerrilla warfare, waging war against the Assyrians. And lo and behold, his brothers rise up and they, they begin to build an army and they would slip in and they would fight against the Assyrians. And lo and behold, they take back the temple. Amen. So here's the thing. Sometimes as the world around us uh, decays, I, I guess that's a pretty good word, as it grows dark, as it decays, sometimes we take on the mindset of, well, that's just the way it is. I guess we just have to get used to it. But thank God for men like Mattathias who said, no, no, we won't. I can do something about it. And he rose up and said, no, I will do something about it. And not only that, but I've raised up my family to stay, say, we will worship the one true God. We will stand on the truth of God's word and we will not bow down to your political pressure, to your, all your persuasion, all your strength and power. We will not bow down to that. We know that there's a God that's mightier and we will stand on his truths. Amen. We need men today who declare that I will be a father who raised up my kids and the truth of God's word and the strength of his power. We need young men and young women to say, I'm not going to bow down to all this social media nonsense and all the peer pressure. No, I will stand firm. I'm not going to be some weakling. I'm not going to be uh, just go along and be passive and just kind of go with the flow. Oh, that's just the way it is nowadays. I guess we'll have to get used to it. Well, we don't have to. We don't have to. I choose not to. Amen. And so that's this celebration as every year now they remember that one family that family called the Maccabees that family that said no nah, I believe I'll fight instead 
Now, I know that this, this service is live streamed and I know that somebody could take a snippet. This is how they do these things. They take a snippet of what I'm saying and they say, oh, this is a, one of those radical preachers. He's telling his people to rise up and fight and kill somebody. Uh, no, you got to stay to the end of the sermon, okay? And so as we look at these passages of scripture, Jesus honored this festival, the festival of lights. And, and there's so many spiritual principles that we could bring from this. And, uh, and by the way, in the first service, I lit this thing and y'all know the, the air blows there pretty good. I, I couldn't keep it from lighting the other candles. I was blowing them out and stomping them out and everything. We had a mess. But anyway, uh, we have this festival that is a, is a reminder that when, when people who stand on the principle of God, stand up for well, the truth of God's word, God is behind that. And God will work for them and with them and through them. And so uh, what, a, what a powerful testimony, uh, this family who said, no, we'll stand. We'll do something about it. Now, as there are so many directions I could go with this message, including the fact that you are the light of the world, and I, and I do. In this passage of scripture in John chapter 8, if you were back up just a little bit, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And he said, and those who follow me. If I'd put those on the right side up, that'd help. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen? What does it mean to walk, to follow Jesus? That is to have faith in Jesus, have my focus on Jesus, have my fellowship with Jesus, and have the freedom of Jesus. Amen? And I want that. I want all that. I want my faith in Jesus, my fellowship with Jesus. My, my freedom in Jesus, and I want all that. See, there's a, there's a type of people that come to this church, and I know who you are. Because you're all a lot like me. And then I know that I could get you stirred up, and you'd say, okay, what are we fighting now, preacher? What are we going to fight now? Oh, is there some kind of a political statement we need to come against? Is there some, you know, what are we going to do now, preacher? What are we, what are we fighting? And, and, and see, when I look at the story of this family, the Maccabees, I get a little bit excited. I get a little bit excited because I got a little bit of that in me. You know what I mean? No, let me back up. I got a whole lot of that in me. And I raised up two sons. I raised them up to be strong. And I raised them up to stand on the principles of God's word. And even when everybody around you is screaming that you're stupid, screaming that you're, that you're uh, crazy for doing it, you keep on standing. You just keep on standing. You just continue to, to say, no, I, I've got a solid foundation. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sway and bend with the ways of the world. It changes every day, doesn't it? It changes constantly. But so, so when I read the story of the Maccabees, I get a little bit bowed up inside. You know what I mean? However... As I look at the scriptures and Jesus picks, by the way, I love the people, the people that Jesus picks. He picks a bunch of ruffians. He picks a bunch of crazy young people who are ready to fight, ready to fight all the time. He picks Peter. If you read the Bible, you know, Peter always won't fight somebody. He picks James and John, James and John. He said, I want you to go in that village and testify that the Messiah has come. They go in there and, and, and they come back and say, uh, they ain't having it. You want us to call down fire from heaven, kill them all? <laughs> I like those guys. I love those guys. Jesus said, I got a new name for you. You, from this point forward, will be called the sons of thunder. By the way, John was the one that lived the longest, interestingly enough. 
We have, uh, we have the zealot, Simon the zealot. What does that mean? He was uh, one of these guys who was constantly trying to live out the story of the Maccabees. He was trying to revolt against the Romans. You have, you have these ruffians that Jesus picks. They were young guys, which means they they 10 feet tall and bulletproof. We know that. They think they can whoop anything. So, so they come to him and they immediately say, uh, when, are we, when are we fighting? When are we going to take back Israel? When are we going to overthrow Rome? They're constantly asking him this. And, and he's constantly saying, uh, it's not the time. That's not the kingdom. It's a little different than what you see. It. He, he told James and Don, you don't even know what spirit you are of. We're ready to fight, Jesus. Let's fight. He, you don't even know what spirit you're of. What does he mean by that? We, I'm sure they walked around there. What does he mean by that? We, we know what kind of spirit we are. We're in a fighting spirit. And he said, no, but, but you got power that you don't even understand. You got power you don't even understand. We're in a fight that you don't even understand. So you don't even know what spirit you're of. You got Peter. Peter here at, right before Jesus' death, he takes a sword to somebody, tries to take his head off and takes his ear off. And Jesus said, put your sword away, Peter. That's not the fight we're fighting here. And I hate to tell you this, but that bothers me. Because I, I like stories in the Bible like Aaron's grandson. Aaron's grandson sees a, a, a great uh, a, a wicked act done. And here comes this guy with his Moabite bride. And she, she goes into the tent with him right in front of the presence of the assembly. Right in front of the tent of God. And here he comes with his new little girlfriend. And he bebops over there in the tent. And Aaron's grandson, this man of God, had raised his family up the right way too. And that grandson rises up. And takes a spear and walks into the tent and shoves the spear right through both of them. Sticks them in the ground. I'm like, ooh. And you know what God said? I like that boy. <laughs> Not in those exact terms. That's my paraphrase. But uh, he said he has a zeal for the Lord. Then you got guys like Gideon. Gideon found his fight. He didn't think he had any in him. He said, no, I'm just the, the smallest one of my family. I am. I'm the youngest one of my family. I am. Our family is the smallest one in our tribe. And on and on and on. And he's like, I, I, I really can't do anything. But the angel of the Lord calls him mighty warrior. He's like, ooh, I like it when you talk to me like that. <laughs> and Gideon found his fight and he, and he took his fight to the enemy. And I love those stories. And then we get to Jesus and his disciples, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I can see why he picked those guys. He, I can see why he shows up at this festival in which they're, they're remembering this family who knew how to fight, who, who knew how to take back what was God's and, and to, to stand for what was right. And, and, and he takes those guys into that feast. Into that, it, it says that he was there in Solomon's colonnade, and they're walking through the temple. And you know what he's doing before he went in there? He was fighting. Jesus was. Now you say, I don't remember Jesus ever getting to a fist fight. That ain't the kind of fight we're talking about. He was fighting the religious mafia who had taken God's word and twisted it for their own benefit. He was fighting these who had heaped tradition upon tradition upon tradition and tried to take those traditions and hold them over men's heads. And he was fighting them. If you'll read the previous verses before that, where he walks into the temple colony, or, and the verses right after he walks into that temple, what's he doing? He's fighting. He's fighting this, this mindset of, well, this is the way it is. You'll just have to accept it. And Jesus said, no, no, 
No, we don't have to accept it. Society is telling us, no, you need to get, you need to come on with the times. These are the times that we're living in. You know, this is the, the age that we're part of and you just need to accept it. You need to go along with it. And I said, no, no, I don't think so. I'm going to stand on the truth of God's word. And it says that's a sin. I'm going to say that's a sin. If it says this is the right way, I'm, I'm going that way. And when it says stand firm, I'm going to stand firm. Amen. Y'all, y'all not, y'all not talking to me like y'all to. Y'all need to get a little more fired up. Y'all remember about the Maccabees? They tough now. Amen. So I, I love this. I love uh, uh, this passage just came uh, to mind. And uh, I'll tell you the verse afterwards because I don't want you to get distracted. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you are in Christ Jesus and walking with him and in his ways, guess what you've got? The victory. You win. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, steadfast, immovable. When you get into to learning a little bit about hand-to-hand combat, a little bit about fighting, first thing they're going to tell you is get a good stance. Get a, get a good stance. You get a good solid stance. And here's what the scripture says. You better stand firm. Why? Because people are trying to push you and sway you and pull you and try to convince you. Oh, no, no, you need to come over here with us. How many times? I have had not hardly any persecution from the outside world, but I have had a lot of friends saying, you need to come over here with me. You need to come over here with me. I haven't, I haven't bled one bit for the cause of Christ. Y'all know that? We, we act like we're worried about persecution. Not one drop of blood for the cause of Christ. Not one bit. I want my, you know, if, if it takes that, if it, if it requires that, okay. However, here's the thing. It's, it's the pulling. It's not the pushing. That hadn't, that hadn't hit me one, one time. It's the pulling. It's coming out, come our way. We want you on our team. We want you a part of our little religious camp. We want you to come with us. And here's the title that I have for myself. And, uh, and I've thought of other titles, but this is it. I'm a nonconformist. I'm a nonconformist. I, I thought the word was rebel, but that has a negative connotation. So I'm a nonconformist. When denominational persuasions try to pull you over there and you're like, where does that, where, where, where'd y'all get that from? Where'd that come from? Oh, well, that's, you just need to come on with us. No, 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 no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to conform. Uh, when, when political pressures and all of these things, all of these persuasions, they want to pull you into their camp. They want to drag you into their, say, no, no, I think I'll just stand on the word of God. I think I'll stand on the truth of his scriptures. And if you can't find it in there, don't be trying to pull me into your camp. I'm a nonconformist. And I think I'm in a pretty good party because Jesus was a nonconformist too. He's fighting with the Pharisees, a religious denomination. He's fighting with the Sadducees, another religious denomination. And, and, and let me tell you something, I know what that's like, but not near on the level that he did. But I'm going to say this, I will not conform. I will stand firm on what I know is right, what I know is true. And I'm going to raise my family up to do the exact same thing. Amen. So if I got a little fight in you, if I got you a little boat up, here's how Jesus said. Right, let, let's look at this. Let's look at this right here. Y'all see that? That's pretty quick right there. <laughs> Just went out. Good night. <laughs> uh, so as long as that. <laughs> Why y'all got to be messing with me? And then I got the wrong one lit. All right. Here's the interesting thing. 
Here's where everything takes a turn. Everything takes a turn right here. It does not take a whole lot of persuasion for me to get up and ready to fight something. I, I've been, I've been built my, by my creator to be a defender. It took me a while to recognize that. And, and it's, it's, maybe that's how I was born. Maybe it's how I was raised. Maybe it was some of the experiences of my life. But I was built to be a defender. When I find that someone has been done wrong, I get, I get a little, I'm ready to defend them. I'm ready to defend them. So it does not take a whole lot to get me stirred up. You know what I'm talking about? Just let me see somebody's been done wrong. I want to run to their rescue. That's how, kind of how it was made. Here's where everything takes a twist. Jesus' disciples were just like that. When, when we're fighting, when we're going against the Romans, when we're fighting. And Jesus says, here's how you do it. And he brings them into the upper room and he gets them all in there. He says, we're going to have Passover. We're going to celebrate this other festival. And he gets them all there and he gets down on his, on his knees. He starts washing their feet. He says, I'm teaching you this so that you'll do what I do. He starts serving them. I'm not saying that we need to go and slay anybody. He says, no, you need to go and serve everybody. I'm not causing you to rise up and fight someone. He says, I'm calling you to fight your flesh and bow down and humble yourself. This is an upside down kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom. I'm not calling you to, 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 to fight the fight of flesh. I'm calling you to fight the fight of faith. And the power of the faith comes through humility. There's humility. See, there's this thing, this, this Hanukkah. Now, this stuff comes from a tradition. Now, so, so when, uh, and, and y'all know me, I don't bend to tradition. I don't, I don't care about tradition. This is not in the Bible. Even if you come from a Catholic uh, background and you understand there's a book called the Maccabees, that's a book, a historical book about this family. The tradition is, it's not even in the book of Maccabees, is that as they were cleansing the temple, purifying the temple, remember the pig broth poured all over thing, all the pagan idols and all that, they're cleansing all that stuff. They found a little vial of olive oil and all of their lamps were powered by olive oil. There was oil lamps. And, and so they found one day supply of olive oil and they started using that. But they said, it takes, it takes a week to go through the sanctifying process to prepare olive oil for temple use. And that one little vial of olive oil, according to Jewish tradition, lasted eight days. You will notice here, eight lamps. That's the Hanukkah, not just a menorah, but that's, that's the purpose of the eight. They say this little candle right here is not even to be a part of that. In fact, this little Hanukkah has, uh, has this one raised and elevated because that's closer to the seven branch uh, menorah. But some of them will have eight branches and one off over here to the side, lower than the rest of them. You know why? Because the whole purpose of this little odd candle is to light all the other candles. That's the only purpose. And when it's done in a family, the father comes and he lights this one. See, it even has a name. It's called the servant. The servant. And the father comes and lights the servant. And then the children would come and they would take the servant. And the servant would light all the other 
candles. This one candle was used to light all the other candles. As you notice, this one candle has given up a whole lot more until I blow it out. A whole lot more of its fuel. And they didn't want any one of these candles to be used. So that's the, that's the servant candle. You know what? In Old Testament scripture, there's this particular word. It's kind of a funny word. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. We look at Isaiah 53 all the time because Isaiah 53 describes Jesus just as plain and clear as it can. It describes Jesus. We use a part of Isaiah 53 all the time as we're taking communion. And that is this passage. By his stripes, we are healed. So Isaiah 53 is known as the forbidden chapter to Jews. They don't want people to read Isaiah. They don't want your Jewish, those who follow Jewish faith to read Isaiah 53 because it is unmistakable who it's talking about. I'm just going to read a few uh, praises of it. Uh, verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It goes on and on, and it's, it's just unmistakable. It's about Jesus. But I want you to see verse 11. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous, what's that next word? Servant, and it's capitalized. You notice that? Well, there's only one reason it's going to be capitalized. Because it is a, it is a reference to a, the Messiah who is to come. It is capitalized because it's a title. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. See, that's me, that's you, that's the next person. That's through Jesus Christ. John the Baptist says, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me who baptized you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. 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 And through Jesus Christ, I am that. Now, this is interesting, too. And, and this is all a side note. This is not even the point of my sermon, but I get distracted. Y'all know that. So this little servant candle, as I said, it's not a part of the others. It's, it's, it's supposed to be an eight candle menorah. An eight lamp menorah. But, but that little servant candle, you know, it's always supposed, and sometimes it'll be a different color. It's supposed to be unique, different than the rest, unmistakably different than the rest. You know the most famous Bible passage? Which one is it? John three sixteen. And if you learned it in King James like I do, it goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, some translations have it different. The best way to translate that passage of scripture is his unique and different son. Jesus is not the only son of God. I'm also a son of God. But he was unique in that he was born the son of God. He is different. He is unique. He's the only one ever born the son of God. I've been born again a son of God. Why? How? Through Jesus Christ. Amen. And through Jesus Christ, I have now been lit. <laughs> we get to the, oh, I shouldn't tell this. Okay, I will. We get to the Christmas, Christmas parade last night. And one of our, our beloved sisters, she's got, she's got stuff all over her. And uh, I said, well, how's it going? She says, I'm lit. I said, I have what she's having. <laughs> That's just wrong. That ain't right. That's, 
I'm sorry, Lord. I shouldn't have I said I shouldn't have said that, but anyway. <laughs> Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify who? Your Father who is in heaven. I don't want to I don't want to bend sway with the times. It's changing constantly. What's acceptable now wasn't acceptable 10 years ago. It's constantly changing. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. To have no spine has to be exhausting. It has to be. You're just constantly shifting and changing to every person's whim and way. That's got to be exhausting. There has to be no peace there. To, oh, okay, if that's the way it is today, then that's the way. Okay, well, if that's what you, if that doesn't offend you, then I'll go that way. I, I had a friend growing up, and, and he was just a, a, a funny little guy. And uh, he's always trying to, to get in good with me. I, it was his friend. He didn't have to prove himself to me. But he would say, yeah, I, I really don't like such and such. He's like, do, do you like such and such? I said, well, yeah, I like it. He said, well, I kind of do too. How exhausting <laughs> to, to constantly be trying to check your pulse to see if he's healthy. And if we're constantly trying to check the pulse of society to see if we're okay, man, that's exhausting. You don't have to. You check how God says you are to see if you're healthy. And then don't, you don't have to sway and bend with the times. You don't have to bow under political pressure. You don't have to bow under religious traditions. You don't have to bow under uh, the, 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 when man takes scripture and twist it and, and, and pervert it for their own benefit. You don't have to do that. You don't have to conform. Here's how it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm begging you. I beg you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Jesus gave himself so that we might live. Holy and acceptable unto God. Amen? That's what he says is holy and acceptable. as self-sacrifice. He says, I like that. You give yourself for others. Amen. That's what I do. Jesus says, give yourself for others. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says this. Be not conformed to this world. Here's, here's that, that word. It, it gives a mental picture of being pressed into a mold. Getting squoze. You know what I'm talking about? Squoze. I, I, that's past tense for squeeze. You squoze some. Because squeeze it just don't make sense. You got squoze. So don't get squoze into the mold of this world. For that is outward pressure trying to press you into what they want you to be. Not conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed, an inward power rising up within you. Being transformed by how you think, by the renewing of your mind. Not being conformed, but being transformed. Amen? And here's how Jesus says to do it. He says it's the upside down kingdom. When all of his disciples are ready to fight, he bows down on his knees and he says, here's what you're supposed to do for each other. And he begins to wash each other's feet and he, and he serves them. Philippians chapter 2 says it this way. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What does that mean? In other words, he said, I am there in heaven. I have all of glory around me. I am a, a supreme authority over all creation. And yet, he says, he humbled himself and became obedient as a man. He humbled himself and became a servant. Servant. When the Jews came up with this tradition, they didn't even realize what they were doing. And how the servant of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, gives life to every one of us. And then Jesus says, it is by serving, it is by serving that you become great in the kingdom. For the, the, weak, the, the least will be greatest, the last will be first, the weakest will be strongest. It's this upside down kingdom. It's paradoxical. It doesn't make no sense. But it's not, it's not contradictory. It just sounds that way. Jesus says, as we humble ourselves, it is not that we have to be like Mattathias and rise up and slay someone. No, it's we be like Jesus and bow down and serve someone. He said, that's where power is at. That's where the kingdom spreads. That's where influence happens. It is not to, to honor yourself. I'm authority here. He says, it's humble yourself. and God will lift you up. As we go into the Christmas holidays, we're going to be sitting around the table with people of complete opposite mindsets. And man, today, people are more divided than I've ever remembered my whole life. If we ain't divided over political parties, we're divided over COVID. If we ain't divided over that, we're divided on something else. We divide over everything. And it's, it's, it's real easy to get a fight out of you, isn't it? It is me. It don't take much. Push my, push my buttons. Here's what Jesus said. Instead of fighting, won't you serve? Won't you love? Won't you humble yourself? And I want to tell you something. Uh, what I have come to find out to be true is that really works. It really works. People are like, why, why when I treat you bad, you treat me good? Because that's how Jesus commanded us to do it. That we are to be a servant to others. And in doing so, letting our light so shine. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for the perfect picture. The perfect picture of a life that had more power. You came in a time, Lord Jesus, in which your people were under oppression of the greatest government in history. The most powerful, widespread government in history. And your people was under their oppression. And yet, even amongst those people, they were under the oppression of religious rulers. And even under that, the oppression of political pawns. And you, Lord Jesus, navigated through that sea of garbage flawlessly, honoring those who weren't due honor, Respecting those who had earthly authority, even though you had all heavenly authority. And yet, you did not bow to the ways of this world. When it came time to clean house, you did. When it came time for the zeal of the Lord to rise up, you did. You stood up for the weak. You defeated all isms 
sexism, racism, classism. You were called a friend of sinners. You hung out with the outcasts. You loved the unlovely. And you stood bold in the face of opposition. Our perfect example. How do we teach our children to be worshipers and at the same time to be warriors? Well, we just look at Jesus. Or let us not be swayed by the persuasions of this world, whether it be in media or social media or society as a whole, no matter what people scream and, 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 and what we be, be called. Let us stern, stand firm on the truth of God's word, the principles of it. And Father, let us fight this good fight of faith, which is actually fighting our own flesh. Humble ourselves before God, be meek before men, and watch the power of God surge all through us. And then you've promised us, with that kind of lifestyle, you've got the victory. Lord, I pray that we would see things from kingdom perspective. Lord, that we would see things from your perspective, not earthly perspective, not, not so-called Christians, but you can't tell it. But Lord, that we would live as you live. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to have time for invitation. Our altar team, let's all stand together. Maybe you just want to come bow to the altar. Maybe you need to visit with our worship team, our, our altar team. Have them pray over you, whatever the need. You need God to touch something in your life. He works through people. Our people know how to pray with you. Come together in agreement in the name of the Lord. Maybe you just want to stand and worship. Whatever God's calling you today, don't delay. Follow the leading of the Lord.